When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hello and welcome to a special Thursday edition of the Wisco Fanatics show. We are joined by John from Lombardi Time Brews. We are live from Stadium View in Green Bay. If I look look to my left, I can see Lambeau Field and the practice field from here. It's a, a short walk really close to Lambeau Field. Before we get started, I do want to give a big thank you to Stadium View. Um, they're... Their, uh, their staff and Rhonda that I've been emailing with, she's super friendly, super willing to to help us figure out how we're going to host and everything, as well as the staff being friendly when we got here. So I, I really want to thank Stadium View for hosting us today after Packers practice. And Jake, Don, we've been together for like uh, five hours now since this morning. But yeah. So we're going to start with Packers and Patriots joint practice takeaways. So yesterday the Packers and Patriots practiced together. Today, the Packers and Patriots practice together. I saw Rob Mobsky tweeted out that just maybe two joint practices was one too many. So, uh, Jake, John, I don't know who wants to go first and uh, and give some practice takeaways. Your honor, honor. Yeah, um, this was not exactly how practice went yesterday. So, I was fortunate enough to attend both yesterday's practice and today. And I, my two main takeaways were, one, Yesterday was a very successful practice for the Packers. I mean, they moved the ball well. Defensively, the pass rush smothered the Patriots. And then today was like the complete opposite. Today, Jordan Love and the Packers offense had great difficulty moving the ball. And in addition, their defense got pretty carved up even by Mac Jones. So certainly areas of improvement to learn from today. And then my second takeaway was yesterday was really civil. It was just nice. <laughs> teams were were uh, functioning together well. They didn't seem to have any issues of being chippy. And then today, that lasted all like forty five seconds before the scuffles broke out. And then there was even one stretch where it was the Packers' offense versus the Patriots' defense, and it was scuffle after scuffle after scuffle yep. after scuffle to the point where Lafleur and Belichick even came screaming in and uh, and reamed out a good amount of their dropping f bombs and everything. Yeah, I mean, like, this is a for work. totally different atmosphere, but another fun practice in yeah. the books for the Green Bay Packers. So, to me, looking at it, and we heard this from Matt before yesterday, that the, the Packers were actually the ones that reached out to the Patriots about doing joint practices. And to me, based on Matt before's comments that he made and just knowing what we know about Bill Belichick and his history in the NFL, what he likes to do is he game plans to take away your best player. Mm-hmm. And with the Packers going into this this unknown scenario that Matt LaFleur would want it so that they can get as many different looks from a guy like Bill Belichick who they know can steam up different things. He's going to give you tons of different looks. 
but that seems something advantageous that the Packers are going to deal with going into a new season um, with a new quarterback. So, Jake, what's up from you? So, to you from practice today. Well, a lot of the same stuff that John was talking about. Lots of fights. So I brought my son, who is a Patriots fan. So he was he was enjoying it, uh, saying that we were beating the crap, they were beating the crap out of us, which I don't believe. I think they were being a little bush league, in my opinion. And I do agree that their defense was kind of taking it to us, as John pointed out. Uh, we whooped them up and down the field yesterday. So I, I personally felt like uh, Belichick, maybe maybe it was just the players, like John pointed out to me when we were watching practice, that they wanted to make a point of emphasis that like. You're not just going to beat us up. I don't care if we're in Green Bay. I don't care if we're in, you know, Arizona, New England. It doesn't matter where we play. You're not just going to treat us like that. So that was one of the few things that pointed out to me and a lot of cool formations on offense, man. It's going to be an exciting year for Green Bay. Lots of speed, lots of lots of options. I mean, we had Jaden Reed in the backfield at one point, and I was acting like a 10-year-old little girl. So it was very exciting to me. Uh, splitting out the running backs, a lot of big tight end options. We could put them in the slot. So a lot of cool things on offense and the defense. I'm not really worried about too much. Yeah. And I mean, to your point, Jake, like with Belichick, obviously firing up his troops before the second practice, Mm -hmm. like we were commentating at practice today, there's a right way to go about being fired up. And then there's just straight up a violent way. Yep. And it, seemed as though the Patriots players chose the latter of the two options and just came in today with some, some reckless aggression. Yeah. I agree. So watching, watching play, this was before the team started doing their, their one-on-ones and 11-on-11 drills. What I'm looking, what I was noticing from Jordan Love as they started doing their drills was that his deep ball accuracy needs some work. But his short and intermediate stuff, he was doing really well about hitting his wide receivers in stride and, and just being accurate. So I was good with that. Um, as, as we were a little bit close to the defensive side, I was trying to watch down at the other end. What I saw, Jordan Love's corner end zone accuracy was also very good. So I was actually encouraged by Jordan Love's his looking at like his mechanics and things like that as he's doing all of the drills and everything, which is I know something that people just say, well, he's supposed to do that, but it's still a matter of actually doing it. So I do think that you practice the way you play and you play the way you practice. So seeing him do those things in practice does give me encouragement that he's going to do them when he plays. Um, My biggest thing, potentially from the Packers offense, New England could not stop Aaron Jones. No. I don't think he had a single play that went for less than seven yards, eight yards, and he had multiple that would have been probably 20-plus yard gains. And I'm not saying that this is what caused it, but a lot of the chippiness that came from the, the Packers-Patriots practice came after Aaron Jones started carving out the Patriots on defense. And even Aaron Jones got into it with the Patriots defense a little bit. And then if Aaron Jones is getting fired up, like, there's, there's something going Right, and, and I saw Romeo Doves kind of waving somebody off from New England. It's like he doesn't seem like that kind of guy to just be – he's not a talker, right? He, he's a I let my game do the talking kind of person. So when you see people like him, like you're, like you're saying, Jones and Doves, you know, getting into it with, with Patriots players, there's a lot of chippiness going on, and I wish I could have been in those conversations. I mean, but that's it. Like we expect that from Elton Jenkins, right, especially <laughs> like after last week. Like the O-lineman, we expect it, but – if quiet guys like Dobbs are having to wave it off, if Aaron Jones, like mm-hmm. the consummate citizen, is getting involved in scuffles, <laughs> like 
something's going on. Yeah, and that's exactly what it looked like today. 100%. So just a couple more things. Uh, one on the offensive side, using misdirection and play action with Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs, and like Jake mentioned, by throwing in Jaden Reed potentially in the backfield, mm-hmm. the offense is going to be so fun to watch. It's going to be so fun to watch. Just the way that they're going to move things around and all the moving pieces that are going to be parts of this offense, it's really, really exciting, especially when you bring into a guy that we're going to talk about here in a second. Uh, one of Jake's guys is Luke Musgrave, who's going to present a lot of problems using him in different areas. That's going to be really exciting in addition to obviously all the talent that we have. It's just it's just all young and unproven. Mm-hmm. And two years from now, when these guys all have tons of experience and they are potentially proven that we'll have seen it coming back in 2023 when we were talking about it during training camp. Yeah, I mean, I used Musgrave yesterday in an end around, which to use a tight end in an end around is just absurd. But yet he's got the athletic traits to pull it off. So why not add it to the playbook? Uh, and then two things on the defense real quick before we get into the tight trains. Um, Colby Wooden doing a really good job of diagnosing play action and not falling for the fake. Uh, I noticed that on a couple plays. And then on more than a couple plays, I noticed Kingsley and Ibarri in the Patriots backfield a lot today. Um, Rashawn Gary still not doing full team practicing, still off to the side, but he is in pass and a helmet. Mm-hmm. So I do think he's close. Um, but Kingsley and Ibarri getting a lot of reps in his absence, and he's doing a lot with them today. Yeah. All right. You guys ready to jump into flight trains? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So I, I, I kind of teased Jake's first type train a little bit, so I will let Jake go first. Uh, Jake, give us your first type train, the guy that I can already tease for you. Yeah, I'm just really big on the Luke Musgrave. And if you watched our stat projections episode, you know that I was going crazy with targets and receptions and touchdowns. And I just think the ability to have him in line or split him out, you know, in the slot or even outside the numbers is just – unmatched on this team now you you have a guy luke musgrave he's 6'6 253 right then you throw a christian watson out there who's 6'5 and maybe one of the top five fastest players in the in this game today i think there's an argument for it for sure but you have those two things and now today like i i can't get over it you see Jaden reed in the backfield right so now you have these two gigantic statues that can just run and then you have a linebacker looking at Jaden reed like i have to cover that guy he's running right past me i don't care if it's an out route uh, a drag. I don't care what it is. Maybe maybe they run him deep out of the backfield. What is a linebacker going to do with that? You already need safety help over the top of Watson. So I think that Luke Musgrave is going to get a ton of one-on-one matchups, and he's going to be able to use his frame. And it's just going to be it's going to be a good connection with Jordan Love, who can you know throw throw balls up in the air and just just let Musgrave go high point that thing. Saw so, uh, Christian Watson actually high point a yeah. couple balls today from Jordan Love too. Um, and then another guy. A hype train that I'm riding, in addition to being the conductor of the <laughs> Romeo Dobbs hype train, because I started that one last summer. I had the he did. He did. Uh, he did. So, in addition to conducting the Romeo Dobbs hype train, I am now on the Jaden Reed hype train. Yeah. Um, from everything that we're seeing as far as anything depth chart related or just what we're seeing in practice so far, is Jaden Reed and Samari Toure are being used in all of the exact same scenarios. So we're basically getting – this is might be one of the most like closely contested camp battles that we're seeing, mm-hmm. but I do think Jaden Reed is going to win it based on just all he's done so far in camp is catch touchdowns. And I think he's got – I think he's got more 
tools than Samari Toure does. Like we know that Samari Toure's got the speed. Jaden Reed is not a slow guy by any means. And Jaden Reed, in my opinion, his contested catch ability makes him like just that much more valuable. Yeah. So I'm I'm fully on the Jaden Reed hype train um, with him as the third wide receiver and also the number one punt returner. Um, we saw the play that he threw, uh, Sean Clifford threw Jaden Reed, kind of a high ball, and Jaden Reed went up and got it against the Bengals the other day. Yeah. Uh, what wasn't as widely publicized was the Packers running an outside run play and Jaden Reed setting the edge against an outside linebacker with a very, very nice block. If Jaden Reed is going to also be bringing better blocking to the table than Samari Toure is doing, Jaden Reed will easily far away be the number three wide receiver on the team. John, who's your first hype train when you're riding? So my first hype train, actually, it's one of the tougher players to really assess when it comes to training camp, but I'm riding the Quay Walker train all year. Because, look, look, I mean, in training camp, it's difficult to assess an inside linebacker when there's not even tackling going on, right? Like, that's there. one of their main functions. Right. But what you can see is coverage ability, athletic traits, in the run game, in Quay's specific case, because his biggest struggle as a rookie, realistically, wasn't coverage, wasn't his athletic traits. It was diagnosing run plays. And from what I've seen in camp, more often, he's been in the correct run lane. Mm. And if That's he can add that element to his game, he can very quickly become an actually complete inside linebacker, as opposed to last year, where the promise was there, the athleticism was there, pretty much like good enough tackling ability, but it was diagnosing running lanes. Now it looks like those pieces may be falling in place for him. And frankly, as we all know, if he can keep his temper in check, which according to the lot, he is now doing meditation with Jair Alexander, which should make him just about the chillest human being in the world. So if he's able to accomplish while putting together diagnosing and, and his mentals are in the right place, like Marshawn Lynch would say, <laughs> I, I think he can become a complete inside linebacker really quick. All right, Jake, who's your next type train? That was a great choice, by the way, with Clay Walker. So people are going to freak out. I just want to be patient with me. My next one is David Bakhtiari. And I know a lot of people are, are like, oh, he wants to leave and go to New York, or he doesn't play enough, and there's all this stuff, right? Well, the biggest storyline going into the season, whether we like it or not, is replacing Aaron Rodgers with Jordan Love. What is the one thing that every young quarterback needs? A good offensive line. Especially left tackle. Especially left tackle because that's the mo- one of the most important positions in football, the blind side. Yep. When David Bakhtiari played last year, he was very good. He was all pro quality. Yes, I believe he only played 11 games. But when he was on the field, he was all pro for those 11 games. Yep. You give a young quarterback a left tackle – with the rest of the good offensive line. Now, John's got some thoughts on the offensive line a little bit here. I'm just going to foreshadow, but uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. You give him a good offensive line, you give him a run game, and you give him a good scheme, and you're setting that guy up for success, which I believe when David Bakhtiari is healthy, Jordan Love has all those things. A good old line, a good running game, best one of the best run, running back tools in the, in the NFL, and a good scheme with the pre snap motion, as Tyler and I have been pointing out for, like, ever now. <laughs> Um, also, if you watch our show, you know that we are in love with play action. So you, you dominate the line of scrimmage with the running game 
you get some play action, you give Jordan Love a couple extra seconds. We got speed, we're getting down the field, we're taking shots. I love everything about that. I'm just telling people right now, don't cut off the David Bakhtiari train. Carl, I'll have to issue the David Bakhtiari apology form. It's coming. I did that too. Uh, <laughs> my second one, I, I had this one written down before the Bengals game, and now it's just completely just rolling down the rails real quick. Sarrington <laughs> Valentine. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's gaining a lot of steam to continue using train references. But a lot of the beat writers were asking Matt LaFleur if thinking about Carrington Valentine is going to give them the opportunity to potentially use the school of and safety. Yeah. Now, to, to tease again, something we're going to talk about in a second, safety is something that's going to be a hot topic of conversation for the rest of the preseason. Um, as far as Carrington Valentine is concerned, his play is going to have a lot of eyes on it in the next two preseason games as he continues developing camp, which is something that Matt LaFleur said he's going to have to keep improving. And if his play continues to improve from where he's already at, they will, like Matt LaFleur said, have to find snaps for him. Way to pick the easy one, Tyler. Um, so. <laughs> I was on it early, at least. He did I tell me before the game. So. I'll vouch for Tyler. All right. I mean, my second one is, see, like, the opposite way. Tyler picked one who's quickly ascending. I'm choosing one who's currently hurt. Uh, Bo Melton, currently out with a hamstring injury. But he and Malik Heath have been competing for wide receiver six all camp long. And at OTAs, all of the, the, the headlines are about Malik Heath, this UDFA from Old Miss, who suddenly is producing like he always should have in college. Well, there, all along, has been... Bo Melton, who has some college pedigree of his own. He's got 4-3 speed, but the biggest thing is in the earlier wave of training camp, before he hurt his hamstring, Bo Melton was always the guy with the later strings with the ball in his hands. Oh, I mean, it was it was notable. And I, in my own show, I was constantly pounding the table saying, Bo Melton should be in the lead. And then we got to the Cincinnati game, and Heath, like, locked a dude into oblivion, and and uh, Melton got hurt, but the truth is, Bo Melton has the skills for a scrappy special team ace wide receiver that you'd be looking for. And I believe scrappy is actually the exact word that Matt LaFleur used when talking about Melton. So if Melton can get back, if he can get healthy, if he can produce the way that he was before this hamstring injury, we are going to be in for a very, very tight battle at wide receiver six. And we can we can throw Grant Dubose in that conversation yeah. as well because I've heard nothing about nothing but good things about him too since he's been back from his injury. Yep. Um, before I get my last one and we move on, I'm going to answer Brett's question real quick because he said I'm looking forward to hearing your comments on special teams if that's even done in joint practices. It is, and it had to be cut short because there kept being fights. Yeah. So yeah. yes, there was special teams, but it was cut short. Uh, after what seemed like five or six fights, it was probably more like three or four, but there was at least three or four fights in the middle of the uh, special teams portion. Yeah, freaking uh, – they, they had to have Belichick go over there and talk to him, as said earlier. One, one of, pack, one pack of, of the, the helmets went players got kicked out of practice for running up and, and blindsiding yeah. a guy while two guys were, were talking to each other. Well, there he is with uh, the blindside Yeah, with the blindside hit, yep. And, and, Brett, just to add, I mean – all throughout training camp, they've been doing teams in each practice, but it is a lot of just walkthrough type stuff, jog through, making sure that guys are in the correct positions as opposed to 
actually blocking and hitting each mm -hmm. other. So teams is worked on in every single practice. It's just not that intense when it's open to the public. Um, I'm going to wait. Don, I'm going to hold on to your question. I'm going to save that one for John because he's going to talk about the interior offensive line. So I'm going to save that one. We will come back to it. It's got multiple um, questions. Talk draft with his draft crush. So I'm here for it. That's that's a potential high train to hop on to. Um, right now, he is kind of being a little a little overshadowed by as far as tight end play is concerned by Luke Musgrave because there's so much to love about Musgrave that that craft is kind of being overlooked. And what I've said when it comes to Musgrave and Kraft is it reminds me of last season when we had Dobbs and Watson, where Watson was the shiny toy, and it's like, oh, my gosh, look at all the things that he can do. And then it's like, yeah, but we also have Romeo Dobbs, who is just kind of all around solid with some, with some upside. And that's, that's how I feel about Musgrave and Kraft so far, this, this training camp. And then we'll see how they, they continue to go and how they're actually used once we get to the regular season. So one last high train that I want to throw out there before we move on to some concerns is, is Tariq Carpenter. He's another guy who's been hurt, so he hasn't had a ton of camp reps yet. But seeing what Joe Barry has done with, like, a, a quote-unquote, it's a star player, not, not an all-star player, but, okay, star hybrid type linebacker safety, the guy who was when he was in L.A. was Josh Johnson. So having the Packers have a guy that they can use in that type of situation – uh, another guy that I would say is, is in that same like category of player at times is Mike Hyde. So if you are upset about Mike Hyde in the game, maybe a guy like Tariq Carpenter, and I'm not saying that Tariq Carpenter is going to be the next Mike Hyde or anything like that, like, but that Tariq Carpenter is a Pro Bowl level of talent. But I'm saying his build and his play style could be something like how Mike Hyde was. I mean, I love Mike Hyde, so. <laughs> All right. So. <clears throat> I'm going to talk about some concerns. Um, I'm going to have John go first just to kind of tie in with, with Don's questions. So Don asked the question, can Rasheed Walker kick inside? And then the seventh-round safety I will come back to when I get to mine. But, um, so, John, what's, what's a safety – or not safety. What's a training camp concern you have? Yeah, uh, I'm worried, y'all. The interior offensive line depth is, is frankly terrifying. I mean, it's it's becoming pretty clear, and I know a lot of people don't necessarily like this, but obviously they're moving Zach Tom around a lot. But their preferred offensive line that is still the first string, the one that they still trot out above all others, would be David Octiari, Elton Jenkins, Josh Myers, John Runyon Jr., and Zach Tom. And the thing is, that leaves Yash on the bench to be your swing tackle. But then if there's any injuries to the interior, they're probably going to have to kick Tom inside and then put Josh in right tackle. But they're creating having to move multiple pieces because of an injury. I mean, of course, like in an ideal world, you'd have your first string offense and then a second string offense. It's almost as good. And you can just plug in and play a backup in each set position, right? That's just not reality. But the truth is, by moving Tom inside, if there's an injury on the interior, and Yash outside, if there happens to be a second injury, you're looking very quickly at having to play someone like Royce Newman, who against all logic seems to be regressing as a player. Or you're having to play Jake Hansen if he makes the 53-man roster. Or Sean Ryan, who 
who I think will make 53, but is still very much a work in progress, as we saw in the Cincinnati game. So with, with Royce regressing, Hanson being someone who has made a world of progress now in his multiple years in the league, and Sean Ryan being a fairly large question, the interior offensive line gets concerning fast. Um, and Greg, I see your comment there. Have y'all He's a troll. He's a troll. Don't answer him. Don't answer him. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I have. Um, so... <laughs> Sean Ryan, no, Royce, yeah. Uh, imagine I'm, saying, I'm imagine saying Royce Newman and the name gets worse with Jake Hansen. Like, that's like, ugh. It was bad, too, because, like, we had a, a scenario last season where Jake Hansen came in for an injury at right guard, yeah. and then Hansen got injured, and we actually wanted Jake Hansen back in the game because of Royce Newman's struggle. Yeah, yeah, if you're a believer in PFF grades, Jake Hansen had the 13th worst pass blocking grade for an interior offensive lineman in the NFL. So... Do with that info what you well, want. Well, Sean Ryan, all right. Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing. We can hope that Sean Ryan can progress, but to this point, we've seen Sean Ryan do very well in one-on-ones. I mean, he held off Kobe Wooden very, very well. Yep. Well, I, once he enters into the full line, once he's in a preseason game, you can tell Ryan is still a work in progress. So into your offensive line for me is very concerning, and it's becoming increasingly so the longer camp goes on. Don, to answer your question, can Rasheed Walker kick inside? It's not really something he's done before, nor would I say is that going to be a strength of his. Of the three kind of like project tackles the Packers have maintained, of Caleb Jones, Walker, and Luke Tenuta, the one most likely of the three to kick in was Luke Tenuta. Um, And then, of course, his injury. Yeah. (laughs) So... I don't think it necessarily matches Walker's type to kick inside. So we need to protect, protect um, Elton Jenkins and John Runyon Jr. at all costs until the regular season starts. Yeah. Yeah. So, Jake, what's the, what's the position group that you're looking at that's a concern for you? So for me, and people are going to probably freak out on me again, but I went with D-line depth. And there's one specific reason that I say that. Last year, Kenny Clark played 807 snaps. Now, this is the rest of the D-line. You have TJ Slayton, who's the starting nose tackle this year. You have Jonathan Ford backing him up. You have Carl Brooks, who is backing up Kenny Clark. And on the right side, you have Devontae Wyatt, first-round pick from last year. Obviously, we all know that he didn't get much playing time. Chris Slayton and Colby Wood. Now, you have some rookies in there, which I understand. You add all their snaps together, 812. Five more snaps than one person on the line. My only concern, and you can say this about the wide receivers too, but wide receivers, you can see the talent. You know, you can see that they're understanding the offense. And, you know, the thing about Dubs and Watson is they got a lot of snaps last year. So they, they were force-fit, you know. And that wasn't the case for Devontae Wyatt last year. He came on late. And a TJ Slayton, who is now going to be in his third year in the league, he's kind of slowly progressing. And then Jonathan Ford, he's going into his second season. Uh, Chris Slayton, outside, outside of everybody else, Kenny Clark, Chris Slayton has four years. Everybody else is one year or two years of NFL experience. So looking at how young they are and looking at the Packers' rush defense the last couple of years, giving up high averages, high yards per game, high yards before contact, just something that concerns me. As a former D lineman, it makes me want to throw up every time I watch a running back run six and a half yards before getting touched. Also, it would help Quay Walker 
so much in his growth. And help your hype train over there, John. If one of these guys, you know, Devontae Wyatt, and these guys have looked great in camp, and they look really good in the first preseason game. If one of these guys can just step up, we've been waiting forever for Kenny Clark to get a, a partner in crime, right? Kenny Clark's been in the league since 2016, which is crazy when I when I looked He's that up. Still only 26. I know, it's the dumbest thing ever. But um, I'm just looking for one of these guys to make a big step, but there might be a lot asking a young player to do that. Yeah. Um, Greg, I'm going to bring up safeties. I just want to address real quick. Um, Simon said it sounds like Ford has taken a good step this offseason. It wouldn't be surprised if we kept six. I really wouldn't either, uh, just so they can keep rotating guys fresh is really the main thing with that. Um, so my concern is the safety position. Greg got ahead of me a little bit. Um, for me, it's safeties. And as far as safety is concerned, for me, what the Packers did was just take a whole big handful of darts and they're throwing them all at the board at once and seeing which one sticks somewhere good. That's, that's how I feel about the safety group. I mean, we're relying on Darnell Savage to basically return to form as a starter. Yeah. And then you're looking at Rudy Ford, Dallin Levitt, Jonathan Owens, Javarius Moore, Innis Gaines, who's currently injured, and Antonio Johnson Jr. That's tough. And you that's need tough. three of those guys. Yeah. To probably make the roster. Yeah. Um, obviously, Dallin Levitt is a guy who's going to make the roster probably just based on his special teams contributions. But right now, I mean, take your pick of which guy you're going to start next to Darnell Savage, whether it be Rudy Ford or Jonathan Owens, who's a short tackler. Or maybe Antonio Johnson Jr. has enough in the next two preseason games to be able to try to stake the claim. But um, right now, it's for me, it's probably Rudy Ford just if he has, I think, the most experience. Um, in the system as all the rest of these guys are all new except for in his games um, to to the Packers organization. So I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on, on what the Packers are going to do at safety, but for me, who's starting after Donald Savage is a concern. Probably Rudy Ford, in my opinion. I would say Rudy Ford. Um, he, played, he played here last year, obviously, so probably a leg up in that category. Um, I just want to respond to Steve real quick. Steve, if we only win six games, I promise you two of them are against the Bears. So deal with it, buddy. My take on the safety position is I'm looking at how they've been operating in training camp, constantly rotating through Rudy Ford, Tarverius Moore, Jonathan Owens, right? And I'm not going to be shocked if that job is actually a combination of all of them. Oh. I mean, it, it matchup dependent or even in a game. Play dependent. A little bit. Uh, maybe if they want to get Valentine on the field more. I mean, we haven't seen Sewell play safety in this camp so far. So I, I won't be shocked at all. I mean, like we've seen Brian Kudkus before. When there's a hole in the roster, he just adds quantity instead of quality. And then he hopes to find someone who can just like take over. At safety, I'm not sure we're going to see that. All these guys have different strengths. All of them have different playmaking abilities. And that leads me to believe as though this job may just be a combination of puzzle pieces to form the whole next to Savage. So I'm going to address just a handful of comments. First, Simon asked a question that I think is, is a good question to ask just because I think it's going to be asked based on Matt LaFleur's comments. Uh, is there a world where you see Darnell Savage not starting? He said he hasn't looked into it yet, but do you think Douglas gets a shot at it? 
I think if Rasul Douglas plays any safety, it's not going to be in a starting role. Mm -hmm. uh, it would be in just complimentary packages. Yep. Um, and then, Brett, we're going to come back to yours. Well, and um, I'll say, I mean, from everything we've seen, I would just jump in and say Savage's job is safe. I mean, he hasn't been playing standout ball in camp. Yep. But also at the same time. Name called giving things up either. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's true. We haven't seen him completely mess it up either. Right. But all of the switching of personnel has constantly been at the other safety position. Yep. They yeah. seem to be very comfortable for now with Savage in that closer up to the line, playing more of a robber role. Yep. That seems to be unequivocally his for now. Yep, and that's that's what I told you guys when we were talking about Douglas when we first got to camp. I was like, he was let Douglas take that third of the field and you, you allow Savage to just run around closer to the line of scrimmage, which is where they like him. And if he if he can flourish in that role, I mean, they tried to put him closer to the line by putting him at nickel corner, right? Yep. Uh, they tried to force him to be on the line, basically. So just allowing him to be on the field, Packers are going to be fast on defense. There's no doubt about that. And Greg said he's got good ball hawking in, uh, instincts. Definitely a great hypothetical. Referring yeah. to Rasul Douglas. Agreed. Um, Steve, there's – I'll say it's possible that the Bears week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't I think it's too. likely, but it's it's possible. There's no denying that it's possible. I agree. Um, but he did say he, he likes watching us and listening to us to talk about football, so we appreciate that. Yeah, Steve, you're good. You're a good guy, man. That's why I could talk some issue with you, man. You take it and you give it back. I appreciate okay, that. Okay, so one last concern, Brett brought it up, is competition for kickers. Carlson can't kick like this. Imagine in the frozen tundra. In the frozen tundra. So where are you guys at with Anders Carlson? Uh, Jake, why don't you go first? I'll round it out. I'm just going to say exactly what I said to you guys. If he was an after-the-draft pickup, okay, I understand that point of view. They – literally wasted draft capital on him. He's not going anywhere. They are going to watch him miss kicks. They're going to watch him miss extra points. Hopefully they're watching him make a lot of lot of kicks, right? That's what we're all hoping for. But he's going to miss some. It's going to happen, and we're going to have to deal with the growing pains of the kicker position, the yep. quarterback position, defensive line, everywhere. Basically everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> this team is young, if not the youngest team in the NFL. So growing pains are, are inevitable. Bakhtiari is just hanging it up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what I'll say with Anders Carlson, and I said this to, to the guys that we do our Friday night shows with, is if we get into situations where we're, we're relying on Anders Carlson to, to win us games or if we lose games if, if he doesn't come through, it's to me, I'm going to not just solely blame Anders Carlson for being the reason the Packers lost or won. To me, if we're in a situation where there's teams that we consider the Packers either in the same tier of teams or teams that we consider the teams that the Packers should beat and we're not winning those games strictly because of the kicker, to me there's other things that are happening in those games that you could have done better than just like putting the 100% of the game on the kicker. So to me there's more to it than just blaming the kicker because we lost by two and he missed a 58-yard field goal that would have lost the game. There's going to be other things that could have been done, whether it's being better on third downs or better in the red zone defensively. Like, anything that can be on there, it's not going to be just under Carlson that is winning or losing games for the Packers. Yeah, and there's a lot to say about Carlson. I mean, look, to this point, he's had just as many days where he's been 5 of 6, 7 of 8, as many days as he's had days where he's – four of eight or anything like that. Yeah. At, to Jake's point, they spent draft capital.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Capital on him for a reason. And if you want to know what those reasons are, it's pretty simple. He's got a huge leg. I mean, there's been a number of times in camp where he tries a 42-yard field goal, and he doesn't just hit it. He hits it over the net beyond the goalpost. I mean, his leg is gigantic. So the other reason why there's some room for positivity is go back and look at his 2020 stats in Auburn. In 2020, he was probably the best kicker in the SEC, one of the best kickers in the entire country. Yep. And then 2021, I think it was a torn ACL, 2022, he broke his shoulder, which is the most so weird injury for a kicker. <laughs> right. But he talked in an interview during that last year in college how it threw off his timing. So what Bisaccia sees is Bisaccia sees the little brother of a kicker who he's had tremendous success with, Daniel Carlson. Yep. And now looks at that. This is a kid who he supposedly has known since he's been 16 years old. And Bisaccia is saying, I see what's here. I see that I can fix him. Give him a And I understand all of the calls out there for wanting to bring in competition. But Tom Silverstein from the Walking Journal Sentinel just wrote an article. I think it was him anyway, earlier this week detailing that the Packers and Carlson have identified what the issue is for consistency, why the ball is always going wide right. And it has a lot to do with his motion and how at times he shortens his motion. Hmm. And so what that tells me is if you believe that you've identified the problem, then what you need in order to fix said problem is repetition and live game reps. And if they were to go bring in a, uh, a, a competition right now. Go sign a kicker off the street and bring him in. Suddenly you're taking those reps for Carlson and cutting them in half yep. in a practice set. And when you've got a rookie kicker, that's not necessarily what you want to do. Yep. You want him one. to get the work. You want him to fix what you believe you've identified as the problem. Because if you only cut his kicks in half and he gets half the practice time, you're diminishing the likelihood that you're going to fix said problem. That's a good point. I don't look at Honors Carlson and think like this is a motivation problem. They got to bring in someone to bring out the best of him. No, I think it's a consistency and a technical problem. And that takes practice. Yeah. It's a good and point. He was, after practice yesterday, he was working on kicks by himself yeah. after everybody else was done with practice. Well, and even yesterday, I mean, he started out the day five for five. And then what, what occurred was they did two minute drill stuff. One of them, he came in, he missed one wide right. It was from about 40 yards out. And then the second field goal kick yesterday was the weirdest field goal kick I have ever seen. I mean, like, they, they came rushing in. It was one of those where, like, you've got five seconds to get the special teams unit on. So, like, special teams unit came sprinting on. 
They snap it. Carlson kicks. The thing rotated, and then it just died. Like, it kept spinning. It just stopped going forward. And I know the floor said this morning that it was a mishit, but I, I saw Andy Herman talk about how, like, it was a wildly I Wiley E. Coyote, like, run off the cliff type thing. <laughs> it's exactly what it looked like. It was baffling. But I don't know. I, I believe in Carlson. I'm just – I understand that the Packers are looking to weather the storm and not make a panic move because they want to get him reps and they, they want to see him succeed. When they did it in what? what was it was it 2019 when Mason Crosby missed, like, seven field goals? It was, yep. like, 21 of 28 on the season? Yeah. Like, it's it's – it's going to be patient, which I think is a really great way to transition into talking about Jordan Love. Is is going to be patient. Like Jake mentioned, all the position groups that we're talking about on the roster, kicker is going to be another one where we're, we're going to have scenarios, and it's going to happen with Jordan Love too, where guys are going to make mistakes. It is going to happen. Might as well accept that now. But this is where the lessons in context part comes in is when they happen, first of all, I want to see how they react. Like, I don't want to see, like, heads dropping and, and you know, more conservative play. Like, if Jordan Love throws a bad interception, I don't want to see him afraid to throw the ball more than 10 yards down the field. And then the next thing is going to be learning from those mistakes, which it sounds like Anders Carlson is starting to do already. So just for me personally, I, I want to say Aaron Rodgers' name as little as possible this season. I understand comparing Jordan Love's first season as the full, full-time starter to uh, Jordan Love's first-time season as the first-time starter, but nobody should be judging a Jordan Love by Aaron Rodgers' standards. It's the same thing like Jake and I have talked about for the last three weeks with Adrian Hauser and Corbin Burns, that they are not the same player. Don't, don't judge a four-time MVP the way you judge a first-year starter who doesn't even have four years of experience in the league. So, Love, he's going to miss some throws. He's going to throw some bad turnovers. But can he learn from them, not make the same the same throws, the same mistakes? So, uh, Jake, is there anything that you want to say about just contextually with Jordan Love um, that you're watching for this year? So... I went back to kind of give myself some context on the situation, right? Because before I could teach anybody else, I had to teach myself. And I was watching some highlights, and, man, has his, his feet, first of all, has improved in the pocket, and his throwing motion was kind of ugly, not going to lie to you. Um, and it's the same throwing motion that George, uh, Justin Fields uses right now in real life. So it's, it's ugly. It takes a long time to get rid of the ball. And now, you know, he's, he's winding up and he looks like he's trying to throw every pass 80 yards. And even if it's a five-yarder, now, now he's up here, you know, and he's boom, boom, getting that ball out quick. So the one thing that I'll say, I'm going to keep this short and sweet because we are going to hammer this home all season long. Jordan Love needs to be judged on a game-by-game basis. And not harshly every time either, okay? There's situational. Not a throw-by-throw basis because that's exactly what I saw from the preseason game. Yeah. He missed one throw to Luke Musgrave. Oh, my God. The guy's fired. We might as well just put in Sean Clifford for the whole year. No. So Thanks for, for the number one pick so we can draft Caleb Williams. It's like he made, he missed one throw, and he actually made a bunch of really good throws in that game. Mm-hmm. Um, threw a touchdown. Um, he had the pass to Watson that ended, ended up getting knocked down. Tremendous play by Daxon Hill, by the way. Yep. Tyler and I were very high at Daxon Hill in the draft. Uh, fast guy, can cover a lot of ground. 
Uh, very good football IQ. Just a great play by him. Otherwise, that was going to be a perfect throw to Watson. He was walking into the end zone. So game by game, not throw by throw. Let's give him time to grow and develop into the player that we all believe that he can become. Um, Brett said Carlson's going to have some growing pains, as are a lot of like positions on the roster. He said the first time he wins a game making a field goal that realistically Mason couldn't, all will be forgiven. And that's unfortunately the, the knee-jerk um, logic of a lot of social media stuff. But, yep. Well, and, uh, and the reputation of Mason coming out of college was big leg with some accuracy concerns. It got sure. fixed. It, sometimes it takes time. Sure. Yeah, for sure. So for me, what I'm looking at with, with Jordan Love, and honestly, if you look at it, like you can put the tight ends and the wide receivers, and like Jake said, the D-line, some of the safety guys that we're going to see, some of the corners that we're going to see. Like Eric Stokes, when he comes back, he's essentially going to be a year and a half into his career. And we're going to see Carrington Valentine. We are in a position that we haven't really been in as Packers fans. We, as a fan base, have a very rare opportunity to not only see a new era, but we have an opportunity to grow our knowledge of how we evaluate quarterback play. It's something we haven't done outside of fourth round Brett Hundley for most of a season. We haven't really had a big opportunity to actually see and go through developing a progressing potential quarterback. Mm -hmm. So for actually growing the knowledge of how quarterback play should be progressed by the player himself and then how we evaluate them. Just the Packers are young at tons of positions. So we get to watch and evaluate and see, you know, less there's still going to be lots of it, but fewer Facebook and coach GMs yeah. looking at this. And we'll actually get to hear from, from Matt Floor, from Brian Goodman, how these guys are developing. We get to see it firsthand from our fan base's point of view not just watching the Bears develop a new starting quarterback or the Lions trading for a new quarterback or the Vikings signing a quarterback from the Washington at the time Redskins. Like we get to firsthand see a new quarterback begin his career. So I'm actually really, really excited for it. And another guy who was excited for it was Kurt Banker. He's excited to, he's excited for Jordan Love. He said this is what Kurt Bankert said. He said, we should be able to, I think a lot of us are excited for him. Uh, Bankert brought up the ability to change his arm angles, which we saw a little bit of today. We saw a little bit of, of the, the sidearm, a couple of throws like that from Jordan Love today. Mm-hmm. Uh, something that guys like Matthew Stafford and Patrick Mahomes are known for is changing that arm angle. Mm-hmm. Uh, Isaac said Banker is a new match. <laughs> yeah. Um, but... Banker also men- mentioned um, Jordan Love's footwork improving, his timing improving as he's maturing as a player. So, I, and I've said this on previous shows that we've done, I don't blame Brian Gutekunst for trying to repeat the formula that they pulled from Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers, from Aaron Rodgers to Jordan Love. Yeah, it worked out fantastically for the Packers when they did it. They obviously got a Super Bowl out of it and a super long first ballot Hall of Fame career out of it. So I don't blame them for trying to replicate the process. But Banker did also mention that Dobbs and Watson have tons of talent. He said they're the exact word were something special, and they just need experience. So that's what I'm looking for from those two. Um, John, what are you looking for from Jordan? I guess I would just say this. I think it's going to be important for all of us, three of us very much included, 
I know we want to say Aaron Rodgers' name as little as possible today, but we have to look at Jordan Love through his own lens. Right? That Musgrave throw from the Cincinnati game, I feel, was a perfect example. Because in years past, when Rodgers missed a throw, looking at just a single play basis, like we have a tendency of doing with Jordan Love, just looking at him for one singular play, Rodgers makes a bad throw. Well, we don't take it as a big deal. Because at the time we had faith, because we had seen it before, that Rodgers will fix it, right? Even those little outs to Jones and Dylan that we see so many times the last couple of years, right? Whenever one of those would be at like Dylan's feet, we would just go, ah, get the next one, right? Because we've seen him do it successfully. With Jordan Love, he's not receiving the same benefit of doubt because we haven't seen him do it before. It doesn't mean that he can't. It doesn't mean that he still isn't doing the correct read. It just means that we have this built-in faith with somebody else. We don't have it with him. But yet, Jordan Love is on the same, I'm going to say similar, trajectory of when he came out. He was a project quarterback. And the Packers for three years have invested in said project to fix the technical aspects of his game, to fix how he would read his defense, and to make him less turnover prone. In the preseason, I, or in the training camp thus far, I think Jordan Love after today is now up to like four total interceptions, maybe five, throughout all of camp so far. And if you're reading reports from other camps, uh, that's on the low side of what a lot of quarterbacks are doing. Yep. So, and we saw him take some chances today, so it's not because it's, yeah. it's not because of a lack of taking chances. No, it's not like he's just playing free. He was he was throwing across the middle a whole bunch. He threw late across the middle a couple of times. He's, I pointed he's out taking chances. And the thing that even like Dan Orlovsky from ESPN said when reviewing that Cincinnati game was Jordan Reed made the right or Jordan Love made the right decision, the right read every single time he threw the ball. Which, if you're looking for a young quarterback. And you're going to say, well, at least we can bank on the fact that he's making the right decisions. You're going to wind up with a more successful offense more often than not. And I see like Captain had a comment earlier, like give him a good offensive line and watch a young quarterback go. Yeah, that's exactly it. Stay protected, have a quality run game. And if he's making the right decisions, this offense absolutely can be successful. And we can start building in that faith that we used to have in some other old ayahuasca drinking old man. <laughs> And and based on things you were saying, John, one thing that I want to bring up as as we talk, you know, Jake and I like to relate some of the sports fan to life things is people fear uncertainty. That's just a that's just a fact of life, really. And we're going into an uncertain situation. Jake has said it a whole bunch of times that Jordan Love is currently an unknown. Yeah. And that's like I said, people fear the uncertainty. So yeah. uh, I do agree with Simon Isaac and Thomas. Simon said the thing that impresses me about Love so far is his poise and ability to go through progressions. I think that's been the biggest jump of this game so far, which 100% I agree with. And Isaac said Love's footwork is amazing. His mechanics look way better than where he was in years past. That's true. I, I agree with that as well. Just repeating what I said. That's, that's great. Good we, job, Isaac. When, when we did our Friday shows last summer, we talked about seeing that in preseason, that Jordan Love looks better this preseason. 100%. Better than where he did during the one chief start and the yep. preseason before that. Yep. So seeing Jordan Love continue to progress, for me personally, this is something that people can do for life as well, is don't compare Jordan Love to his predecessor. Compare Jordan Love today to Jordan Love yesterday. Yep. That's what I want to do more than comparing Jordan Love to Aaron Rodgers. Yep. I don't want to spend a ton of time doing that because they're different. They're different players. They're different people. 
Well, and that's that's the purpose of this year too, right? I mean, this we can be honest about. Are the Packers going to win? Try to win every single game? Yeah, yes. of course. But this year is different. They're not walking into this year saying like it's Super Bowl or bust, as has been the attitude of the last couple of years. This is an evaluation year. It's a learning year, but most of all, it's a year of progress. I would hope that by week 17, 18, Jordan Love is looking comfortable in the role. He's looking like a more competent quarterback than we have seen sure. in week one. All right. So we're going to wrap the show up with just some Q&A time. I have a couple questions to ask the guys here. Um, one being a question that's kind of been answered by just what we've seen from the reps so far is um, where – where do you think Rashad Terry makes his debut? Um, originally, this was kind of a question mark when we talked about this about a month ago. It seemed like maybe maybe he would do it week five. You, know, that, you get that four-week puff, and then the Packers run by. So I was thinking maybe week five. Jake at the time was thinking week three. Now it sounds like he's going to be ready for week one. And as we mentioned earlier when we started the show, Rashawn Gary is not doing team drills yet, but he's out in practice wearing pads and a helmet. You know, he's not running with the with the rehab guys. He's out in pads and in a helmet, just not doing team drills yet. So maybe just a super quick answer from, from you guys. When do you think Rashad Perry makes his debut? I'm sticking with week three. Um, I don't think they're putting him on the pup. I think they're, gonna, they're not going to put him on the pup because if he can come back week three, he can come back week two, you're not going to want him just sitting there waiting, right? You're not going to cage up an animal. So for me, still week three. I still stand by my, my choice because he's still pissed off about that Lions game last year, and he's going to kill Jared Goff about four times in that game, so I can't wait. Yeah, Jay, I'm going to echo that. Like, I think week three feels right. If we see him in weeks one and two, I think it's going to be just like Zedarius was a couple of years ago. Yeah. He played in week one, but it was only on like third and longs when he had that back injury. Yeah. If we see Rashawn in weeks one and two, I think it's going to be a role – like that. Like a snap call. Yeah. Bring him in as basically a pass rush specialist. Yep. And then he goes right off the field. That I, I strongly agree with. Yeah. That. And then, you know, but other than that, I, even that feels early. I think maybe week three, but he's going to have some kind of lead in period in games, I'm sure. Mm. Um, Brett asked the question is, do we have any wide receivers that can stand out as blockers like Cobb Nelson or Heinz Ward? Uh, Christian Watson. Thank you. Fantastic blocker. He came into the draft as a great blocker coming from a, from a North Dakota State system. Yes. Um, being that person, he didn't have a ton of tape as a wide receiver, but he was raw and super athletic in addition to being a good blocker. So first answer is Christian Watson. Second answer is maybe Jaden Reed. Like Romeo Dobbs isn't a bad blocker. I wouldn't I wouldn't describe him as a plus blocker or as good of a blocker as, say, an Alan Lazard or even MVS when he was here. But um, – Simon brought up in the, in the comments on Kavian Wicks. He looks like a willing walker, absolutely. Yep. And right now I'm looking, I'm looking at Jay Reed. If he can continue playing the spot and if he can handle blocking some outside linebackers, Jaden Reed is going to be a huge, huge asset in the slot. I mean, I know he's a tight end, but that's why I love having Luke Musgrave in the slot because he can go, he can go down and crack on a linebacker. He's got the size for it. So, I mean – just think about all the stuff you could do with most great in the slot, man. Isaac brought another good example with his Tucker Craft. Yeah, of which Craft laid out quite a few good blocks in specifically family night. It was, I mean, Musgrave, I'm not going to lie. I, I'm a little concerned about his in-line blocking. 
I think in the slot, he can be a real weapon as a blocker. But in line, he showed, especially earlier in camp, that he was a little bit of a turnstile at times. But uh, Kraft has been coming along really well as a blocker as of late. That's going to be an asset. Another guy that I want to throw out there, Josh said it'll hurt not having Lewis anymore blocking. That is where in steps Josiah DeGuara. Because I talked about this during a whole bunch of games last season. I mm, I love it when they get Josiah DeGuara in pre-snap motion and then have Aaron Jones follow him. Every single time they ran it last season, having DeGuara in pre-snap motion, having him moving it up to full speed before the ball is snapped, and having Aaron Jones follow him, I did not see that play go for less than seven yards any time they ran it. So I want to see a lot of that. I think, and Jake and I had this discussion a little bit, mm-hmm. I think Josiah DeGuara is the best non-offensive line blocking player that the Packers have on offense. Christian Watson, I agree, is certainly a worthy candidate, but um, Josiah DeGuara is one of the Packers' best blockers. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to be nice to Josiah DeGuara right now, but it's fine. And uh, Isaac or Simon, Simon. Uh, I don't think he's getting cut. He's a special teams guy. Packers made an emphasis, especially this last offseason, to really boost up the special team. So I don't see Levitt going anywhere. Simon asked the question Is anyone a surprise this year mentioned Dallin Levitt? Simon, I'm, I, I think it's possible that this is the year Levitt goes. I mean, right, right now, excluding Innis Gaines, because he's this weird hybrid corner safety, but. Besides him, they've got six safeties, really. I mean, Savage, Moore, Ford, Owens, Anthony Johnson Jr., and then Levin. Five of the six, you're comfortable playing some form of defensive snaps. The one you're not is down Levin. One of the six is actually under contract longer than this year. Seventh-round pick, Anthony Johnson Jr. So, I mean, like, ultimately... If you're evaluating all of that, Levitt is a very good special teamer. He's basically captain of teams. He's Rich Bisaccio's best friend. Like, we know about the connections there. Yep. If he makes the team, that's why. Right. But at the same time, we know that last week, Jonathan Owens was alternating with Down Levitt at some of Levitt's special team spots, which had never been done before. So maybe the Packers are looking at it, saying if Owens can do Levitt's spot like Levitt can. Simon, it's possible. When we get to when we get to our Packers primer, I think um, when we do we would usually do the last three on, first three off um, with the Packers fifty three man roster. I think uh, Dalvin, uh, Dalvin, Dalvin Levitt is uh, one of those guys who could find himself as one of those six players. Yeah. Um, Brett said, "Who do you think we sneak through waivers and get onto the practice squad?" There's a whole bunch of guys that could be. For that, um, I mean, of the bigger names ones, I mean, if if Malik doesn't make the fifty-three, he was a UDFA. It's possible everyone passes over him again. Um, Patrick Taylor. <laughs> Patrick Taylor's guarantee. Bro, it's see, I'm telling you, years. I was peeking at Isaac's comment. I was like, yeah, that's funny, bro. Um, I mean, it's um, the one. I guess I would say most. Like most of the fringe roster, they could probably comfortably get onto the practice. Yeah. Floor. The one that I would be most concerned about is probably Brenton Cox Jr. Brenton Cox uh, is a good one. Because right now he's proving that he can be on a football field and not get in trouble, which has historically been his problem. Right, he didn't get drafted. 
yeah. realistically, if he didn't get kicked out of two collegiate programs, he probably would have been a mid-round pick. Yep. And yeah. if some other team, you know, looks at him and says, well, now he's on his best behavior. He's in the NFL. Had a good camp. He's worth a shot. Yeah. So, but I would say like, most of their cuts could comfortably just get shifted yeah. into the practice squad. I agree with you. Um, this is a question that's the forefront of everybody's mind, a question that we asked on our show a couple weeks ago. All four of us had different answers. Is who do you think is going to be RB3? Uh, right now, it probably is Patrick Taylor because two of the guys who are going to be in contention for it being Lou Nichols and Tyler Goodson are both injured. Mm-hmm. So it's, yeah, it's going to be whoever's healthiest and most ready to go, probably. Also, I think it's certainly within the realm of possibility of the Packers only carry two running backs. Yeah, I can see that. I agree. And partly because they have such depth that could be running back three, especially with the ascension of Emmanuel Wilson. I mean, plus, I mean, Goodson's hurt right now, but if he comes back, Nichols, Taylor, like, they got bodies that could do it. Use a draft pick on Nichols yeah. is why I thought he would be the one. But, yeah. So, John, I want to ask you a question. You point at all based on Matt LaFleur comments for family night that loves nerves slash adrenaline, maybe gets factored into his performance a little bit. Um, is that something that maybe you think would be a factor in, say, game one against the Bears, uh, whether it maybe could be the first quarter or the whole first game or the first quarter of a couple games? Um, is there something that you think with loves nerves and adrenaline just being the, the first time all the time starter and not just kind of throwing into the fire a couple times? Yeah, I think we're going to see it this year. I do. I, it's been kind of a pattern. Like, starting out family night, he was he was hearing some throws or some accuracy issues. Very first training camp practice of the year, he was kind of off target. I think week one, other marquee games throughout the season, like, this is going to be a quick fix. It's going to take him some time to settle into being the starting quarterback for the Green Bay Packers. So I do think... And I'm not saying it's going to last all game, but I'm saying quite possibly quarter one of week one, quite possibly quarter one of week 18 or other division, like other marquee games. Five times and yeah. big matchups and stuff like that. Yeah, I, I don't think it's going to be like a season-long play. I don't think it's necessarily going to be game-long. Not going to be like the yips or anything like that, just, yeah. just nerves and adrenaline. I think that's exactly it. And I won't be shocked at all if, if the first series week one against the Bears doesn't go well. And then everyone overreacts, but it's just because he's so he's got so much pent up energy for this. Same with the first quarter of the home. I we've seen the pattern from love until he settles in. I think it's gonna be a consistent thing. All right. Isaac asks, how impressive has Devontae Wyatt been? Uh, impressive enough that he's locked in as a starter. Yeah. 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 Um his his quickness and explosion is apparent significantly more so than last year he's looking like a monster looks like a first round pick yeah yeah, he does um john i'm gonna kick this one back to you because you talked about guard earlier yeah packers deeper attack on our guard who's the next man up at guard do you think the packers need to add i don't want to hear his name anymore (laughs) yeah uh so here's the thing like the packers tackle depth is exceptional their interior offensive line depth Needs some help. A little like, shaky. let's let's put it that way. Shaky. Um, but realistically, like the Packers are in a spot where they've got five tackles that you'd be fairly comfortable putting out in an NFL game, which is probably a longer list than ninety percent of teams in the league. However, 
at the same token, like interior offensive line, you've got Hanson, who I don't want in a game, Royce Newman, who I don't want in a game, Sean Ryan, who may not be ready to go into a game. So to answer the question, I don't necessarily think, and I saw someone ask this earlier about trading draft capital for another guard. I don't think that's going to happen. But I won't be shocked at all if the Packers move on from Royce Newman and Jake Hanson and then hit the waiver wire to infuse. Because a young team isn't going to want to trade draft capital for a backup guard. But the waiver wire to get somebody else in, free agent signing maybe, maybe not a big one, but just yeah. someone. That, I think, could very well happen, and it's veering into likely territory, in my opinion. And this is one of the things that I strongly, strongly agree with you on the waiver wire thing, is when the Packers sign a guy off of somebody else's waivers, we don't need to make the dumbass comments of, oh, no, now the Packers are winning the Super Bowl because they signed this guy's you know, off the guard sheet. They're not signing guys off the waivers to be immediate starters at guard. They're signing him from guard depth in case a bunch of injuries happen. Or every move is going to be this big move, but why would you be a fan of a team and not be in favor of them improving roster spot 53? If it's a better player than what you had, don't you even want the worst guys on your team to be better than they were yesterday? So I've never understood that either. Um, Dan has another question. Do the GMs discuss steps and trades during these joint practices? Um, yeah, trades, probably. I don't think. I don't, I don't. Do you think? I think they. I don't think. I don't think any. I don't think anything's off the table. They. Uh, well, I mean, in the case of the Patriots, Belichick is their GM. So, I mean, every joint practice scenario, you can bet that the team's GM is watching the other team very, very closely. Sure. I mean, this is a good chance for them to get to know guys that they otherwise wouldn't. And I wouldn't be shocked if trades are discussed in a way without them actually being discussed. Mm. You know, like Brian Goodenkins goes up to Belichick later tonight and goes, hey, uh, I really like that uh, number four inside linebacker. <clears throat> Just for future reference. I like I that really number nine like outside linebacker. Yeah. <laughs> Fun. Yeah. Great. More rain like we had when we were at practice. I like how it didn't rain like at all this summer and my grass looked like the wastelands. And now it's just flooding. That's fun. I like that. Brad asked a question about the emergency quarterback situation. Uh, it doesn't count against the 53 unless the other goes down, but it doesn't count as a practice squad QB or do we essentially get an extra one. Uh, it does count, I believe, as a practice squad guy. They do get an extra spot for, uh, I don't know how to say his first name, but it's um, Odegamu. Yeah, Odegamu. Okay. I guess I Oh, I didn't, I didn't YouTube that one. I normally do for all. For I had to YouTube. I was going to be nowhere near that. <laughs> um, they do get an extra one for the for the international player. Uh, Isaac's out here asking about Rasul Butler, former NBA champion. Right, I was going to say that. I was going to say, man, he's Rasul Douglas. We did touch on that earlier, but uh, it's going to be remain to be seen what they do with, with starting stages. So, yeah. yeah, can I can I just jump in about that quarterback number three thing? Yeah. Um, I actually had to look this up the other day because we were talking about it on my channel, and it's the player, the quarterback, has to be part of the 53-man roster. Mm -hmm. The extra element of it is traditionally on game day, you activate 48 of your 53 guys. Uh, okay. So the quarterback can basically be guy 49. He okay. can be inactive on game day. But then if both quarterbacks go down, he can then enter the game. So it's it's not a practice squad guy. It's still someone who has to be on the fifty-three. Okay. But he can be part of that 
inactive collection. So he's uh, he's a bonus guy for game day. Yeah, okay. exactly. Cool. All right, you guys, any other questions you want to ask? No. No. All right. Well, before we sign off, I again I want to say thank you to Stadium View for hosting us. It's awesome to be here, just right over here from the practice field. Uh, so very very thankful for them to be willing to host us and to help the show, which is cool. Hey. Uh, uh, Tyler, why don't we uh, just to jump in? Why don't we do a plug for each of our channels since we've got new viewers? Yes, this guy, this guy over here, uh, he's on the bottom. If you're watching online, he's to my right. If you're here in person, this is John. John runs Lombardi Time Breweries. I'll let him uh, let him introduce himself. Yeah. So if you're part of Wisco Fanatics um, and you love watching their stuff, I would encourage you come check out Lombardi Time Brews. I do four to five episodes a week, uh, all year long, on my YouTube channel. Uh, just search Lombardi Time Brews. Uh, would be very, very happy to have you there. And I've really, really enjoyed working with Wisco Fanatics. I think we have a lot of collaboration coming in the future between yeah. these two channels. So Tyler, I'm still my people, what you got going on. Yeah, John's a good guy. Um, so Jake and I are Wisco Fanatics. We are not just one team. Jake and I talk about the Packers on Friday nights at 8 with Simon and Bryant. They join us for that. And then on Wednesdays, just Jake and I, we do Milwaukee Brewers, Milwaukee Bucks, and then Badgers football and basketball. Uh, whatever is in season, it's Wednesdays, 4 o'clock Central Time, all year round. You can watch us on Facebook and YouTube, and then you can get us wherever you listen to podcasts as well. And what makes our show different from other Wisconsin sports shows is we do it from an optimistic and positive perspective as to relate not just you know how to be a better fan, which is something that we strive for, but also ways that you can use your sports fandom to help uh, potentially improve your life. So we try to try to work in some things like that as well, and, and just try to do it from a more more positive perspective. Yeah. Well, uh, one one quick thing I'll add in: if you're a Brewers fan, as long as a Packers fan, we uh, actually interviewed Vinny Rotino on Monday night. So come go check that out. It was only a half an hour. So really good stuff from him. And again, we like to relate sports to life so you can improve yourself as a fan and as a person. It's worked for both of us. I was a pretty shitty fan, and I was probably not a great guy to be around, but I feel like I'm pretty cool now. And I just want to say thank you to John as well. John, you've been awesome, dude. Thanks, man. This has been a lot of fun. I just see a couple of questions. Let's answer super quick. Uh, Casey, oh, no, I left in the feed. Yeah, Casey, would you pick up Mo Alley Cox if cut? Yeah, <laughs> yep. Tyler. Yeah, I, I, I would. I think we just plug him right into the Tyler Davis roles. Yep. So um, add him into the tall guys on the roster. Yep. Yeah. Right. Uh, Dan, thanks for the shout out. Uh, Lamar Time Bruce, but crossing some milestones as of late at YouTube. Dan, you've been nice. here a long time. So thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, Josh, I see you commenting on Tyler and Jake. That's, That's fine. I won't take it personally. <laughs> I know you're related still. Uh, and then Janelle. Um, Really glad you're going to subscribe to Wisco Fanatics, supporting these couple of great guys here. Really glad you were able to make it today as well, Janelle. So yep. thanks to Lombardi Time Brews, all your regular viewers. Um, don't forget one programming note for me since some of you are here. I'm going to have like preloaded content for this week. I'm still going to go try to go live or do something from up north, but, you know, interwebs way up in the north woods. We'll see how that works. So, Not great friends. Not great friends. And if you do, if you are in the area, Jake and I are doing our Badgers primer next Friday live at Isaac Sports Bar in the Holstein. So we have another live show coming up. Uh, it's definitely gonna be a lot of fun there. So we will be Badgers back football, that. baby. And we will be back on Wednesday for our regular show. So see you then. See you guys. Thanks everybody.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.